uh, our starting point, as you uh, hopefully saw in the source material, which I'm going to share with you in a second, um, is, uh, is actually related to next week's parasha here in the States. So we're having uh, Dovi in mind uh, because this is already, already parasha Shlach in Israel. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I'm using it more as a, as a springboard than anything else. Um, I was thinking about it, and you know, shiurim that are given uh, are there's there's all sorts of types, and uh, some there are shiurim that I guess we could call vanity shiurim, uh, where somebody gives a shiur and uh, to demonstrate just how clever they can be. And truth is, probably all magide shiur at one point or another do something like that, and it can be entertaining, it can be interesting. Um, there are also shiurim, and hopefully this is most of what we do on Wednesdays. Uh, there are shiurim in which the purpose of the shiur is to give a new perspective on something that we're already familiar with. In our context, it's usually something in Tanakh, uh, and to see a particular story or a particular halakha from a fresh angle, maybe make a connection that we didn't make otherwise, something of that sort. Um, and then there are shiurim, which of course are halachic shiurim, in which either somebody is reviewing halachot or presenting a contemporary issue in halacha and making that association. And, uh, and sometimes actually with a chidush, with some sort of a new twist. Uh, but sometimes, and this is something that we don't do very often here, probably not often enough, there is a shiur which is uh, aimed at taking something that is a bedrock idea that we all instinctively subscribe to um, and bringing it out into the open, fleshing it out, talking about it, uh, not, not in any sense to challenge it or to try to shape the thinking differently, but rather to tighten the thinking about it and um, and perhaps to show some angles to it. So that's what we're going to do today. And again, it's something that's not usual. And it's really driven by contemporary events, which um, at least here in the States, uh, really are two very powerful things that have been happening lately that seemingly have nothing to do with each other. And in a larger sense, really have nothing to do with each other. Uh, but yet they've impacted on us. And we, as Jews, have responded in different ways. Uh, the two things, of course, are the, the COVID-19, which has affected us for over three months in a very direct and very powerful way. And uh, of course, the protests and associated, not associated, but the protests and the ancillary violence that went along with it, including a lot of anti-Semitic expressions that came out with it in the Black Lives Matter um, protests and, and respond, responses to um, starting really kind of the flashpoint was uh, George Floyd, but then that brought along with it um, other victims of, uh, of whatever we might call it, but people who are dead, um, people who have been killed. So um, interesting is that I've heard, and probably we've all heard all sorts of interesting Jewish reactions uh, to both of these things. Uh, a reaction that I heard, you may have heard the same thing, um, sort of a, around the middle of this whole period, because I think at the beginning of it, at least for us in the States, at the beginning of it, for the most part, people abided by the social distancing and abided by the davening at home and attending shuring via Zoom and having Shabbos just with whoever was in your house 
et cetera, pretty loyally. But then people started to ask questions and challenge and saying, well, if they can get together to do X, why can't we get together to dominate? Isn't dominating more important than X? Uh, if you can uh, claim that a particular kind of store is an essential need, isn't a shul an essential need? And kind of the undercurrent of it was two things. One that is, what we do is more important. It's more vital. It's more vital on a cosmic level. It's more vital on a social level, on a communal level, and it's more vital on a spiritual level, right? And the second thing is, it's what good, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. So if other communities have the right and, uh, and are given permission to gather in such a way, we should have the same right, the same permission. Okay, that's one piece of the puzzle. The second one, which I think draws a much sharper line for us, is the protests that began uh, two weeks ago uh, in light of what I think we would all agree is, because we all, I'm sure everybody saw the video probably numerous times, a horrific uh, killing of, uh, of somebody in custody, um, that, um, that our reaction has, has gone in different directions. And I'm just sharing things that I've heard, maybe you've heard similar things, you've heard other things. I'm, I'm assuming everybody has heard at least some of these sentiments. And um, one of the sentiments that has, been, that has been kind of common, at least quietly in our community, um, has been, look, we also suffered from generations um, of, and of, in Europe for a millennium of discrimination and brutality and some, in some cases far worse what the black community has suffered from here in the States. And we haven't used it as an excuse for bad behavior and we haven't used it as an excuse for social ills and we haven't used it as a uh, reason to claim you guys have to give us extra room. All we asked for really was just a little room on our own to be able to take care of ourselves. And we really have handled ourselves in an amazing way. Why can't you do the same? That's kind of what shakes down. And you guys can raise your hand or put the thumb up if you want, if it's something you've heard of a similar, similar sentiment. So I want to respond to that uh, because these are the, neither of these things are without, without, uh, without, merit. And neither of these claims, of these kinds of claims of the gathering for davening in the face of being able to open liquor stores, as an example, uh, isn't davening a more important thing than selling some cheap whiskey. And on the other hand, the claim of, well, we've been able to make it through ages of terrible discrimination and brutality and come out and take responsibility for ourselves and have a uh, pretty well put together community that we can all be proud of. Why can't you do the same? Um, and so I want to address that in this shiur, and I'm not going to address it frontally, but please understand that's, what the, that's what's in the back of my mind in the shiur. I want to start with the end of Parshat Shlach, which again uh, is either our Parsha this week or next week. And the end of Parshat Shlach, of course, has the Parsha of Tzitzit. And you read through the Parsha of Tzitzit, and I color-coded it. Uh, most Sifrei Torah that I've seen do not have this color-coded. Um, but uh, the... The, I coded it because I believe that there are different underlying assumptions about who we are and what we need to do in this little parasha. And this little parasha, as you can see in Source 2, which we're not going to read through, Source 2 is from the end of the first parak of Brachot, asks the question why this parasha is put in Shema at all. And it lists six different principles that show up in this parasha. 
So this parasha of tzitzit, a short five psukim, um, carries with it some heavy messages. But I'd like to suggest that there's some other heavy messages that appear in here if we look at it a little bit differently. Now, um, one thing that is sort of a, um, a baseline of our national belief about ourselves is that we have a special, close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We open up every Yontif Davening with Atav Chartanu Mikol HaAmim. We're going to see some psukim that relate to that. And that we have that, that special connection, which I'm going to refer to as Jewish exceptionalism. Now, exceptionalism is often used in a different context. But I'm going to look at it from that context of that we are an exceptional people in the world because HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose us from all the nations and gave us his Torah. And everything else gave us Eretz Yisrael, but gave us his Torah, and that's where Jewish exceptionalism starts. All right? Along with exceptionalism comes something else. We do have a particular kind of excellence. Now, let's be honest. Every group of people and every nation and every tribe has an excellence in something. But we claim for ourselves, and I think justifiably so, a real excellence in some core areas that make a society work. And we're going to see examples of that later on here. And once we get to those examples, we'll see how they play out in, in things that we're all familiar with in our life. However, what I'd like to demonstrate is that those things do not sit alone. For a Jew to turn around and say, I'm special, God chose me, um, we, I'm part of a people who I'm so proud of, every movie I, I, uh, I watch, I count the credits, how many Jewish names are there, and getting the usual machloket about what a miller is, um, and, and we're all good at this, it comes hand in hand with an awesome responsibility. A responsibility, and we're going to see what that responsibility is. And this is the scary part that also comes with a heightened level of culpability of what, what you are held accountable for. So let's see it now in Parshat Tzitzit, and then we're going to take it apart. That's all intro. Which means we are supposed to wear Tzitzit on the corners of our garment. Now, if you think about it, the word Tzitzit should not be foreign to us. Because if we've been paying attention, we know that the very last parsha that we in the States heard all together in Shul was Parshat Tetzaveh. And in Parshat Tetzaveh, we hear about the close of the Kohen Gadol. And the Kohen Gadol has several added garments of which the crown of them is the Tzitz. And the Tzitz, by the way, which is a gold plate that says Kodesh Lashem, is tied together with a Petil Techelet. That's how it's held onto his head with a petil techelet. So here we're told that all of B'nai Israel should wear these tzitzit. We are given royal garbs, and that's why I put it in purple. However, notice this. It's not just a gift to do whatever you want. You have a responsibility of how you, uh, sorry, you have a responsibility, and my color coding was off here, responsibility of how you actually deal with this. And I want to now talk about Jewish excellence. I'm going to tell you a story which sounds like a terrible story, like an awful story. But let me to the end and you'll hear. Many, many years ago in a galaxy far, far away, I took a six-month course in computer programming. This is when they were still doing uh, punch cards. Right? Just to let you know, 
Matter of fact, we had a count on our fingers at the time. And um, I was in the course, and the first month of the course was an intro. The second month of the course was taught by a lovely Iraqi Jew. Um, it was a one-month course. He taught everybody in the class. And after that one month, you would either go into programming or you'd go into operations. Operations meant you knew how to push buttons. And programming meant you actually were thinking creatively. And in the group of students, every month there was a new group of students, about 40 students. There was a large uh, group of, um, of whites and blacks. There was a group of Asians and also a few, always a few Jews. Evidently, that every class had that. I was very friendly with this uh, Iraqi teacher. And uh, I would hang out with him during lunch. We'd talk Hebrew together. And I was one of the only Jews around the building who spoke Hebrew, so I enjoyed that. And towards the end of the month in the class, I said to him, you've been doing this for about 10 years. Every, every month, that's like 120 classes. And every time, you're the one who determines which students go to operations and which students go to programming. Do you have any pattern? Is there any pattern you've seen? Of, and I left it wide open. And the first thing he said was, the Jews and the Asians all go to programming. I said, why do you think that is? And he said something that was phenomenal. It blew me away. I had forgotten. And this is a long, long time ago. He said, because we both come from religious traditions. I said, just a second. Take a look at the white Christian kids who are in the class. They walk around with crosses. They go to church on Sunday. He says, no, you don't understand. We both come from religious intellectual traditions. He said, I want you to think about this. How often in the course of the day do you employ your imagination as part of your religious life? I stopped for half a second. I said, every, all the time. First of all, every time I daven, I'm picturing myself in Yerushalayim. I'm picturing myself standing in front of Kisei HaKavod, talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm picturing Avram at the Akedah and Yitzchak along with him. I'm picturing Yaakov and Betel. That's just at the beginning. And then I'm picturing all the different things that I'm davening for, which are historic and meta-historic. And then I, I'm opening a Gomorrah and I'm studying a Gomorrah about a shore and I've never been that close to an ox falling into a boar. And I saw my first boar years later. And yet we're all playing with this. And by the way, anytime we're learning Gomorrah, we are employing lots of imagination. He says, think about what programming a computer is about. It's about shifting bits that you'll never see. It's a fascinating insight. The reason I bring that up is because we have an excellence for idealism. Because what is idealism? Idealism is picturing what is and being able to imagine what could be. To see this is how things are. It doesn't need to be like this. But idealism is driven by two things. It's driven by values and imagination. Imagination, I'll give you George Lucas. That's fine. Entertaining but that won't give you excellence. Values are great, but if you can't see your way out of your current reality, that's what you got. But put values and imagine, imagination together, you can build a world. It's why we came home after so many years, after almost 2000 years, because we had the strong value of a nation living in our own land, and we also had the ability to imagine it and then to rebuild. Take a look at Pasuk Lametet. Uritem oto uz The fact that you could look at a string and remember Hashem 
Look at a string and remember the mitzvot is part of Jewish excellence. But it comes along with an awesome sense of responsibility and culpability, which is, You have a responsibility and you have liability for just following your eyes and your heart, something that nobody else is held to. We are held to a much higher standard. And so then the pasuk goes on, So there's responsibility for us to keep the mitzvot, and that will bring us the excellence. And then we end off with the, extra, the, exclu, the uh, exceptionalism of Am Yisrael. I am Hashem your God. Those three words alone are exceptionalism. I am Hashem your God. We have a special relationship. But there's more to it. I took you out of Mitzrayim. I took you out of Mitzrayim. And for what purpose? To have that relationship. Very powerful statement. So I'd like to explore these four themes as they play out and watch how they are interrelated. If we take a look at the very beginning of our story, our story starts not with Adam, our story does not start with Noah, our story starts with Abraham. We, we are cast, we, we, don't, we don't say Elohim Adam, Elohim Noah, we start with Elohim Abraham, Elohim Yitzchak, Elohim Yaakov. That's where our story starts. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chvodo decides I have to share my plan of what I'm going to do with, um, with Sdom, with Avram, he gives the following explanation. Source three, Avram is going to be a great nation. That's us. The whole world will be blessed through them. We're going to get back to that thing. Why? He has an awesome responsibility, and that responsibility is to educate his children, to make sure that what Avram holds continues through the generations. We don't have that sort of notion of, well, these are my values, my kids have different values. That's totally opposite of what Messiah is about. These are our values, and our greatest tefillah is that our children maintain the same values. They might live somewhere else, they might do something else for a living, they might have even different minagim, but that they maintain the values that we teach them. And what does that mean? They're going to keep the way. And what's the way of Hashem? Justice for everybody. Justice. That's what it is. And how do I know justice for everybody? Because this passage comes right before Abraham negotiating on the same terms for Sodom. And now, what's the whole upshot of this? So that Hashem will bring to Abraham all that greatness. The greatness that will be a, an exceptional nation is all going to happen because he teaches his kids the values and that they promote the values of Tzlakao Mishpat. Boom. I want to share with you a, a wild statement in the Sifra, which starts with something that we're all familiar with in Source 5. The Sifra, the Torah Kohanim, quotes Rabbi Akiva. This is super famous. There are songs. Rebekiva's comment on this is the big rule of the Torah. But Benazai comes along and says, and this is not nearly as well known, I haven't yet heard a song to this one. is Pasukna in source four. It's the Pasuk at the beginning of chapter five of Bereshit, at the beginning of the begats that go from Adam to Noah. 
And it starts out with Zes Sefer Toldot Adam. This is the book of the generations of man. But what's the rest of the Pasuk? Biyom Bro Elohim Adam, Bidmut Elohim Asa Uto. God made man in God's image. Doesn't say which man, all man. Adam was made in man in God's image, which means all children of Adam are made in God's image. Um, Shadal, in his introduction to the Torah, says something fantastic. Um, by the way, parenthetically, if you want to see an interesting take on Ben Azai, um, you'll see it. You can take a look at the Ravid there in source six, uh, but we're going we're gonna to move ahead. But the Shadal, Shmuel David Lutzato, died 1865, in his commentary on the Torah, in his introduction, beginning of Breshit says, everybody understands, remember, he's 19th century, so he's responding to Darwinism already. He says, everybody understands that this is not a history book, it's not a math book, it's not a geology book. It's a book that there is there to teach us God's will, how we're supposed to live. And he says, the story of Breshid is there to teach us two very important principles. Principle number one, God, God alone, God of his own free will, created the world exactly as he wanted it. Principle number one. Principle number two, that all of mankind is one. All of mankind comes from one source. We're all, we're all, which means there's no, no such thing as saying inherently, I come from better stock than you. We're all from the same stock. Very powerful message. And it's something that comes out in this pasuk. All right. So the question is, what's that responsibility that we talked about? So there's, there's a responsibility. So it's a responsibility that's spelled out numerous times in the Nevi'im, although truth is, we already saw it at the beginning with Avraham. That all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. But it's a little bit more explicit in several places in Yeshayahu. In Yeshayahu Membet, Ani Adonai Kratiha v'tzedek v'achzeik b'yadecha v'tzorcha v'tancha l'vrit olam l'or goyim. By the way, or l'goyim is something that doesn't show up anywhere. It's on bumper stickers and posters. It's not a pasuk. But l'or goyim, which is a little bit different, does, does show up, which means you're supposed to be someone who provides light for the nations. And you find the same thing in later on in Yeshayahu Memtet, that my salvation should reach the ends of the earth. Now, some Rishonim understand what this means is that when God redeems the Jewish people, everybody in the world will know about it. Okay, but it means we have a responsibility to somehow be in interaction with the rest of the world. And in Yeshayahu Samach, Kumi Ori, again, light, Kiva come bring your light. Right, because God's glory is shined upon you. This should sound familiar from what we've experienced recently. Darkness covers the land. A fog covers the nations. Now this is totally exceptionalism. When the whole world is in darkness, God's light is on us. But watch this. Nations will walk by your light and kings by the shining of your sparkling. Now, what does that mean? So you could interpret it that all the nations will be in the dark, but we'll have light, so we'll be the light that they use. But it's not very far to, from there to go to say that what that means is that we're going to be the ones who are providing the light for the rest of the world. And I'm going to continue making this case because I think it's a strong case and one that Dafka in times like this is one we have to think about. Uh, later on in Yeshayahu, it's all from the second part of Yeshayahu. Uh, he has this phrase, You will be called the Kohanim of Hashem, by whom? 
by the world. So the Sforno in his commentary on Shmot says the following thing about that. Because if you remember at the foot of Harsinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, V'atem tiyuli mamlechet kohanim v'goy kadosh. Right? That you will be a kingdom of priests and, um, and a holy nation. Right? Um, and, uh, and the Sforno in his comment on that says the following. Sorry. He says, This is what's going to make you a treasure from all the nations. Again, exceptionalism. What makes that exceptionalism? It's your job to teach the rest of the world. He takes the Pasuk Tzfanya, that everybody is going to worship Hashem together as one which is the way it's supposed to be in the future, and he quotes the pasuk in Yeshayahu that we saw, and then he quotes another pasuk from Yeshayahu, which is Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. So let's see that full piece, which shows up in Yeshayahu. That also shows up in Micha Dalad. Micha Dalad doesn't get quoted as often, so I figured, to be fair to Micha, I would quote this one, but it's almost the same. He says the following, and after... Um, these next two sources, I want to stop and talk about it a little bit. At the end of days, the mountain of Hashem's house will be firm high among the mountains. When he saw whom he voted, we lifted up among all hills. Nations will stream to it like a river. Many nations will come. The Amru, what are they going to say? Let us go up together up to the mountain of Hashem, to the house of the God of Jacob. And it's not God Allah, not God G-O-D, but Hashem, the God that Am Yisrael has taught the world about. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his path. The whole world's going to want to learn Torah. From Hashem. Why? They know they have to go to Yerushalayim to get it. They can't get it in Washington. They can't get it in LA. They can't get it in London. They can't get it in Singapore. They got to go to Yerushalayim to get it. And what's God going to do? And then you have the beautiful image of God rebuking the nations and they're taking their plowshares plow that they're going to make out of their swords and they're going to take weapons of war, which they're not even going to learn war anymore, and they're going to turn them into uh, instruments for bringing life to the world. And then Pasuk Dalad, which is beautiful, they're all beautiful. Every man will sit under his grape arbor and under his fig tree, and nobody will scare him. This is what God says. Right? So now, critical to understand that the image that both Yeshayahu and Micha, contemporaries, have here in the 8th century BCE, and the images that Yeshayahu and the later Yeshayahu, from whenever that is, have, that the Sforno picks up on in 15th century Renaissance Italy. So this is an idea that courses through history, from the beginning of Tanakh all the way till modern times, is that Am Yisrael ultimately is supposed to be a lighthouse for the world, bringing the world to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the world, teaching the world about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And there's one passage from Bayit Sheni that in a way brings all of this together. At the very, very end of Zechariah Chet, which is the end of really the 
Zechariah of Vayasheni. The rest of that of, of Zechariah seems to be an earlier Navi. The very last Pasuk, after responding to the question, do we still keep fasting? And in Tishabav, seemingly Tishabav, even though the Mikdash has been rebuilt, which he never answers, he basically says, You're asking the wrong question. Fascinating piece by itself. The very last Pasuk, Komar the Night's vote, by Yimahema, in those days it'll happen. Ten people from every nation are going to hold on. They're going to grab onto the kanaf, kanaf, the side of the garment of a Jewish man. When Ishihudi saying, We're going to go with you because we heard that God is with you. We want to go with you. Now notice, they're holding onto the kanaf. The simple read of that is they're grabbing onto what they can grab onto. But they're grabbing onto the kanaf. Let's go back to Tzitzit. They're taking a look at Am Yisrael and saying, you guys are amazing. You guys wear this special garment, which you don't lord over others, but rather you use it as an opportunity and as, a, in, as an inspiration for strengthening your own moral character. You use your exceptionalism, you use your excellence as a way of bettering everyone else and of bringing God's values into the world. And God's values are at Tzedakah Mishpat. So I want to ask you, how do you think we could ever get to a scene like Micha and Yeshayahu imagine that the whole world is going to want to come to Yerushalayim? Or Zechariah imagines, or people grabbing onto someone saying, take me to Yerushalayim. I want to learn from God. I know that God is with you guys. What, what, what do you think we're going to do? And the answer, I think, is fairly straightforward. When the rest of the world sees that what Am Yisrael is, is exceptional, and is excellent and is responsible and uses that excellence as a way of promoting the essential values that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants mankind to have. Responsibility, accountability, justice, kindness to each other, concern with the individual who's created in the image of God, then the rest of the world is going to respond that way. So a person could easily turn around and say, hey, I'm I'm excellent. I'm above that. So, you know, I don't really need to worry, my, worry myself about the people who are less. We often complain about a double standard. We complain that we're held to a double standard, is that the rest of the world expects this of others and something very different of us, whether us as Medinat Yisrael or us as Jews. My answer to them is, of course, they hold us to a double standard. There should be a double standard. Now, we don't tell them that because they shouldn't be holding us to a double standard, but we should. We should never be saying to ourselves, since they get away with that, we'll get away with that. Since it's okay for them, it's okay for us. Because the reality is, no, we're supposed to be better. And we were given great gifts, and our not being better is something that actually we, hold, we could be held accountable for on a greater level, which we'll see in a second. Judd, you had a question. Judd, you have to unmute yourself. Okay, give me one second and I'll get it fixed. Hold on. All right, Judd, try it now. Go ahead. Judd? Yeah, you're, you're not muted anymore. All right, sorry. Send me a chat. Okay. Um, okay, so we take a look in, in, in Amos. 
Amos Paragimel is a, one pasuk that kind of drives a lot of this home. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says the following, Rak etchem yadati mikol mishpachot ha'adama. I have known you more than all of the other nations, meaning you are the only nation that I have an intimate relationship with. And therefore what? And therefore you lord yourself over others. Therefore you expect all such a great gifts. No. Al-Kain, therefore, efkod alechem et kol avonotechem. I will hold you responsible for all of your iniquities. I'm not giving you a pass. In other words, the great gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us hold us to a higher standard. There is a double standard. Internally, we should recognize there's a double standard. We will never allow that to be the case. Publicly, meaning what the rest of society treats us, we should have the right, same rights as everybody else. But internally, our conversation has to be, Baruch Hashem, we have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. Not everybody has that ability. And therefore, we need to try to ensure the welfare of others and the, and the success of others, even if they don't have the ability to do what we've been able to do. The Gemara says this in a couple places. Famously, when discussing, it's coming up later in Bamidbar, Moshe Rabbeinu, the big punishment of not being able to come into land for what seems to be a relatively light violation. The passage goes, The closer you are to God, the, the higher the bar, and the more he's medactic with you. I want to just end this with... Um, and see if I can open up for, for a little discussion. But I want to end this with, uh, with just a couple more sources. Um, the Gemara Yevamot, in discussing the story of the Givonim, says that, you know, the Givonim were accepted sort of provisionally by Yehoshua into the nation. And then at a later time, David made a decree that nobody could marry a, a Givoni, even in future generations. And the reason he did that was because and the whole story in Shmuel Betker Kafalif with the famine, when he came to the Givonim, they seemed to be quite bloodthirsty. And the Gemara says the following, and I'm going to read your Ramam, it should blow your socks off. There are three signs of this nation. Harachmanim, we are compassionate. We are modest, we are ashamed, we have a sense of shame. We go chasadim, we do acts of kindness. Notice, a siman of this nation is not Urochachamim. We're not all Chachamim. And a nation of this, uh, a sign of this, we're not all great at business. We don't all have great college degrees. The, the signs of excellence of this nation are in our character traits of being compassionate, of having a sense of modesty and of shame, and of acting kindly. So the Rambam in Hilchot Surabiyah, when he talks about Giyur, says the following, and I'm, I'm going to, um, to read this whole thing because it's a very powerful Rambam. Any family in the Jewish community, we assume, is kosher. You don't have to start checking their lineage. You can marry them. Nonetheless, if you see two families that are always fighting with each other, the Hatfields and the McCoys, or a family that's always fighting with people, and one family that's always litigious and and or there's a guy not in the family a guy who's always picking fights he's very brazen we have to worry that maybe this guy is not from Jewish lineage 
And by the way, you should stay away from them. Don't intermarry with a family like that. These are indications of psul. Important point. Somebody who's always walking around pointing out other people's failures. Other people's failures. He wants to know 10 shemets from mishpachot. He says that family, they're mamzerim, that family, they're from improper conversions or whatever. The suspicion is that he himself is a mamzer. Let's say he says, this family really avadim, the concern is he might be an avid. This is based on a Gomorrah and Kedushin. Somebody who, and it's a powerful psychological insight, but it's in the Gemara. Anybody who points out somebody else's invalidity is themselves invalid, and in that same area. If there's somebody who's brazen or who's ruthless, the Sonata Briot, who was an uh, it was a misanthrope, the Eno Gomelahem Chesed, and doesn't act kindly with people, maybe he's really from the Gibonim, or mean, mean, meaning he's not from Jewish lineage. And then he says, Shisimane Yisrael, Haumaha Kedosha, by Shanin Rachmanim, the Gomel Chasadim. The signs of this holy nation are that we are modest and have a sense of shame, that we have compassion, and that we do acts of kindness. Very powerful Rambam. But think about what that means when it comes to this period now. This period, on all sorts of levels, is a period in which, first of all, everybody needs kindness. The extent to which our community has been absolutely amazing in making sure that people who were stuck alone had company and people would come over and talk to them from outside their house, maintaining social distancing but not leaving them alone, calling people, making sure that they're not left alone. All the questions that came up about Zoom seders and about calling people on Shabbos when they're alone at home and depressed, all of those things just indicate the extent to which Am Yisrael is really an Am of Chesed, a great thing. And now we're faced with something where there is a whole group that feels, and watching the video and knowing the history, feels perhaps with some justification, perhaps a lot of justification, that they have been targeted by people who have power over them and have been hurt and been killed by people who have the power and have protested, the question is then what's our, what's our response? Is our response to say, well, that's not something that concerns us? Is that Stockholm Mishpat? Is our response to say, it concerns us, but why don't you guys do what we did? We're not asking other people to be like us. We're supposed to lead by example. And by leading by example, hopefully we will ultimately inspire others around us to take a clue from what we have done, from how we have been successful, and then hopefully to inspire them to all follow us through Shalim to hear Tvar Hashem. I don't have any magic formulas. I'm not, I'm not the guy with the magic formulas. But I did want to explore with you a number of important texts that we have in Tanakh, in Chazal, in Rambam, um, Sforno, that, uh, that highlight the relationship between our being an exceptional people, our being an excellent people, that the responsibility that that, that gives to us and even the heightened sense of culpability that we have are all intertwined. You can't have one without the other. You can't claim Jewish specialness, Jewish exceptionalism without accepting Jewish responsibility. And that's something I think we all need to think about seriously as we start to come out from this closure 
and start to address ourselves to maybe some of the ills of society that have become exposed in these last few weeks.